Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 33 years. I'm so excited for today's show. I had a great week in the operating room. But what I'm most excited about is my guest at 8.15 is someone I went to high school with. I haven't had a conversation with this guest, this man, for 50 years. It's Dr. Alan Moore, a dentist on Long Island. We were classmates in high school. Can you imagine? Why would I be calling Alan Moore to be my guest? Because I was so taken in with my show with Eric Sondheimer, the L.A. Times journalist, who's the expert for high school sports. And I had such a great time talking to Eric Sondheimer. If you get a chance, listen to the podcast. But in the research I looked up, the Beatles and the impression they made on the high school kid, Billy Joel, where he looked at the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and pointed his finger and said, yep, that's what I want to do. Same thing for Kobe Bryant. What a high school, Lower Marion High School. Every time Chick Hearn, every time anybody talked to Kobe Bryant, he talked about Lower Marion High School. Did the whole show about the power of high school. So it made me think, what about my life? What about high school and the power of high school to me? And there I am in my office, busy day seeing patients. I snuck back in my office to take a few-minute break. And I, for some reason, decided to Google my classmate from 50 years ago, Alan Moore. And I looked up. He's a dentist on Long Island. And in the Google that I looked him up, had his office phone number. So I decided I'm going to call his office. A young lady picked up the phone with a lovely New York accent. His last name is Moore, M-O-H-R. Well, if you're from New York, the R doesn't exist. She said, good morning, Dr. Moore's office. There's no R. I said, hi, I'm Dr. Clapper. I went to high school with Dr. Moore. She goes, he's very busy right now. Can I take a message? I said, just tell him Dr. Clapper's on the phone. 20 seconds later, 10 seconds later, all of a sudden, you hear Alan Moore say, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was the greatest, greatest. And I invited him to come on. So I've been excited for this 11 years I'm doing this show. You've heard so many guests. This is going to be one of my favorite shows of all time because I get to close the loop. Here I am, all these years later, going to be able to talk to someone that came from Far Rockaway High School who was in classes with me. So buckle your seatbelt. This is going to be fun. But you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and my world of surgery, and it made me think all week. Dentistry. Why did he become a dentist? Why does anyone become a dentist? Well, dentists are some of the coolest people 
in our society. Because what draws these folks to dentistry is this intense, high speed, but they're masters at form and function. Your teeth not only have to look good, they got to work. It's like an architect. The building can't just look good. It has to not crumble. They're so good at figuring problems out, fidgeting, using tools. So many of the tools I use in orthopedic surgery, they come from dentistry. God forbid an MD would ever give a dentist credit, but I'm going to give them credit. So it made me think, where in my lifetime did I see this expertise in dentistry have a relevance in the world of art and the world of sports? Well, you know I surf. You know that's a passion of mine. 90 years ago, almost 100 years ago, the first man to build, because he was a dentist, a waterproof housing for a camera so you could take pictures, black and white pictures, of surfers here in Southern California was a dentist, John Heath Ball, better known as Doc Ball, because he was a dentist, his practice in Hermosa Beach. And you're going to hear from the Surfing Heritage Museum because their prized possession is what a dentist built, what Doc Ball built was the first waterproof housing for his camera. And they have it. Can't wait for you to hear that. And what about in sports? Well, the most famous dentist in my lifetime in sports was a race car driver, Dr. Dick Thompson. Because the other passion I have in life is the Corvette Stingray. I actually have one, a 63. The American GIs fighting in World War II, of which my dad was one of them. While they're in Europe trying to kill Adolf Hitler, they're exposed to the Jaguar XKE, that British MG. The European car companies made a sports car. We didn't have one in America. So General Motors said, we're going to make a sports car for the GIs who are asking for one. The Corvette. 1953 when it was introduced. But it was not necessarily going to be a success. But the greatest thing General Motors did was see who was winning races with his MG in Sebring, Dr. Dick Thompson. This guy doesn't know how to ride a car, but yes, he does. He beat all the experts. So they hired Dr. Dick Thompson to be their driver for their brand new car, the Corvette. They didn't even give him one for free. They gave him a discount. They gave him no tools. They gave him no staff. But go race with it. And he did. But you're going to hear sound bites of people who were there at the time saying it was because he could fiddle with it, be a dentist with the sport of auto racing, and make this car the legendary car that the Corvette became. Because dentistry. And in my world of surgery, my wife made me go to her uncle, a pediatric dentist, Dr. David Beckman, who practiced here in Brentwood for many years. Uncle Dave, I was scared out of my mind. White-knuckled, sitting in the chair. No way I'm having anybody drill or even clean my teeth. Uncle Dave said, Robbie, calm down. I'm just going to clean your teeth. I said, how are you going to clean my teeth? with this ultrasonic tool. It's called a Cavitron. 
I said, Uncle Dave, how's it going to crack the plaque on my tooth and not crack my tooth? He goes, how the hell do I know? I'm a dentist. Shut up. I'm just going to clean your teeth. It just made me crazy that this thing could crack hard calcified plaque and distinguish that from a hard tooth. How does it do that? Because of the ultrasonic frequency. And to make a very long story short, the next day I'm a resident going to surgery, watching bones crack as you're trying to do a revision hip replacement. I said, hey, maybe I can use that dental tool that Uncle Dave showed to clean my teeth. And I patented dental tools in the world of orthopedics. And let me tell you, millions and millions of people all over the world have successful redo hip, knee, shoulder, elbow surgeries because of those patents, because of those tools I dreamed up that came from a dentist. It's a powerful profession. Thank God these folks go into it. But that's what today's show is going to be about. We definitely have to do some clap revision because we have the medial collateral ligament. We talked a little bit about Tyler Higby last week Clapper for the Rams, and he's not going to play in the Super Bowl, but Joe Burrow may have C.J. Uzoma. Uzuma. He may get his tight end back with the same structure that's injured the medial collateral ligament. Why can one guy come back and the other one can't? You're going to need a clap revision, and I will tell you, it will involve a T-shirt, deep layer to your shirt. The T-shirt goes underneath the belt into your pants. Your dress shirt goes over your belt, over your pants. There's a deep layer and a superficial layer. We'll talk about the medial collateral ligament like a T-shirt and a shirt. So let me just let you hear a few sound bites about how proud they are at the Surf Heritage Museum of their dentist, their dentist, Dr. Doc Ball, the first surfing photographer to make a waterproof housing because he was a dentist and could fiddle and figure things out and take pictures in the 1930s of Palos Verdes and Hermosa Beach. Just gorgeous pictures. You go on Twitter, you'll see some of the pictures that I posted that he took. But let's listen to the story of Dr. Doc Ball and how he brought photography to the sport of surfing. This is one of our prized possessions in the California Surf Museum. It's Doc Ball's waterproof camera pretty much waterproof, in, meaning that he could get out into the waves, into the ocean, and take pictures, something which had not been achieved before. Doc Ball is a very charismatic early surfing pioneer. He happened to be a dentist. He happened to practice in the Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach area. That's right. And sometimes there would be a sign on his door in his dental practice saying, surf's up, gone surfing, back in two hours, you know. So somehow he still made a living as a dentist. But part of his hobby and joy was sharing the passion of surfing. And he did that through photography. That's right. He changed the world and introduced this sport of kings that I'm so passionate about almost 100 years ago. Um, he built this waterproof housing for a Graflex camera interior. He chose the Graflex because of its quality and because he could get very large negatives so that when he produced and developed his own pictures, as he did in a dark room in his dentist's office, 
he could sell them to his buddies who loved having pictures of themselves surfing. You know, they just thought that was the greatest thing. So for a buck a piece, it kept him in film and it kept him covering the lost cause of his lost practice when he was out in the wave surfing instead of drilling holes in people's teeth. <laughs> so uh, the handicraft work here is phenomenal. Um, he built this camera in the late 1930s and with it he took pictures of surfing at Palos Verdes up and down the California coast from uh, Pedro Valley area down to the Tijuana Sloughs and he documented all the known, known, mind you, 1930s surf spots of that time. Wow. And then he took the photos and his records of all these surfing areas and he produced the very first book of surf photographs called California Surf Riders in 1946. So we're, we're lucky to have the camera that Doc Ball built, incredible camera. We're lucky that we have original copies of the California Surf Rider book. And it makes a beautiful story for our surf museum. It's beautifully displayed right in the center of the Surf Heritage Museum. It's something to visit. But he changed the world because he could think differently because he was a dentist. A little later, I'll play some sound bites of Greg Knoll showing us Doc Ball. You couldn't, there's no surf shop. You can't buy a surfboard in 1920, 1930, 100 years ago. So he made these early surfers. They made, like the ancient Hawaiians, their own boards out of redwood. Because he was a dentist, he was fearless in creating form and function. A little bit later, I'll play those soundbites of the great Greg Knoll, may he rest in peace, talking about Doc Ball's Redwood Surfboard. Coming up next, we're going to learn a little bit about Dr. Dick Thompson, a dentist who changed the world and brought the Corvette Stingray to race competition and to the forefront, making it one of our most proud cars of all time. An awesome story about a dentist in sports. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. So the Clapper was looking at the flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I love this song. Pharrell Williams. Daft Punk. Niles Rogers. Getting lucky. Well, I get lucky. All week long, and especially Saturday mornings, to spend these two hours with you. And thanks for telling your friends, and thanks for telling your family. It's Super Bowl weekend. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to go to the game. I've loved Joe Burrow since he's been at LSU, and I love the Rams. It's just going to be a great moment for Los Angeles. Building the Getty Museum was a highlight in my time and building SoFi Stadium and watching the Rams play. And those 49ers will not be in the Super Bowl. That's the best part. But it's all about injuries. Two-star players 
two receivers. Tyler Higby, he ain't going to play for the Rams. Same injury, MCL sprain for C.J. Huzoma. One of Joe Burrow's favorite targets. He's going to try and play. Your friends may say to you, what's the difference? They both have the same injury. How come one can play and the other can't? Well, you're certainly going to see a brace on both these players because that brace does two things. One, it keeps the knee from opening up so that healing can take place. One thing that blocks a ligament from healing is movement. you got to immobilize it. That's what the brace does. It keeps you from opening, from straining and stressing the ligament so it can heal. So purpose number one for the brace is healing. And purpose number two, even though Joe Burrow had his ACL done a year ago, more than a year ago, he's still wearing a brace. Healing's done. He's wearing it for protection, which is the second reason you wear a brace. Two things, healing and protection. But it all depends on the anatomy. So look at your finger right now. Look at your index finger and move it up and down. Now try to move it sideways. Well, it doesn't dislocate because it's not the tendons that are blocking you from dislocating it. Your index finger can go side to side and not open up because there's a ligament. There's a, there's a collateral ligament that you're looking straight through your skin that crosses that joint that you're looking at of your index finger in your hand. That ligament, like a rope, attaches to one bone, crosses the joint, and attaches to the other bone. Well, here's the difference. You can either rip that ligament in its fleshy mid-portion, or you can rip the ligament off the bone in avulsion fracture. That's one way you can distinguish Higby from CJ's injury for the Bengals. Here's the other one, another clapper vision. The medial clara ligament, the big toe side of your knee, has either a deep or a superficial layer. Many times the medial clara ligament, will see it on the MRI, tears the T-shirt but not the dress shirt. You can tear the deep layer and not the superficial and vice versa so that there's some integrity left. That would be the difference between someone who tore both the T-shirt and the dress shirt the deep and superficial layers of the ligament in the fleshy portion, then you ain't coming back. So understanding the anatomy and where the injury occurs within the ligament, that's why you need clapper vision and tell your friends. Now you understand the difference. Clapper vision. And we're going to talk about food. My guest is Alan Moore. He and I grew up together in New York. So I thought, food, what? He's a dentist. How do I talk about dentists, New York, and food? Pizza? I've talked about enough about pizza for a while. Where else, in my mind, is the presence of New York in the world of food here in Los Angeles? Okay. Not only do I search for the ultimate New York bagel, but within that category, 
the greatest New York bagel flavor is a salt bagel. Some of these bagel places just put salt like you have table salt. Very powdery, like snow. Uh Uh-uh. I don't like those salt bagels. I want the salt bagel that looks like a pretzel. Those giant sea salt, kosher salt crystals that really sing on your teeth. You crunch on them. So a New York salt bagel. That was my challenge this week. Where is the greatest New York salt bagel? Trust me, when it's fresh, you dip it in that cream cheese you bought in the parking lot. You won't even be able to get home. My mouth is watering already. And I will tell you where it is. I put on Twitter a picture of the place. For those of you not going on Twitter, you'll have to wait till the end of the show. I'll tell you where in L.A. is my favorite New York bagel. That's a salt bagel that does it right a little later in the show. But let's get into dentistry in the world of sports. His name was Dick Thompson. He lived a long, beautiful life. He was a dentist in Washington, D.C. But if it wasn't for him, the Corvette would not be the Corvette. Let's listen to his story. In 1950, Dick bought a brand new MGTD and ran some rallies and time trials with it. Well, one thing led to another, and before he knew it, Dick found himself headed for Sebring to compete in the inaugural event being held there. The fact that he had not driven even one inch in a real race apparently didn't concern him. With dentist friends of his serving his pit crew and the MG running flawlessly, the novice finished an impressive eight. This guy, literally, he's a dentist. He buys himself an MG, drives to Sebring, enters the race, comes in eighth, which is unbelievable. He never raced in a race before, and then drives it home because that's his car. His story is awesome, but it's because of his ability from dentistry to solve problems, form and function. Brought his own tools, created his own teams and took the Corvette into the race where he could beat the Porsches, the Jaguars, the Mercedes, the MGs. He was unbelievable because he brought dentistry to car racing. And as he uh, won some races, the car, people began to look at the car and say, we can win with this car. And uh, uh, so they added people, added people. I think uh, he started in 56, uh, by the time the June sprints rolled around at uh, uh, Road America, see, Bark Henry and Fre- Fred Winbridge also had Corvettes on the track. And at the end of the, s- the season in 56 at Thompson, Connecticut, I think they had nine Corvettes and seven Jaguars out on the, the track. So it was just, it was building a steamroller. And uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Dick Thompson to thank for all that. We have Dick Thompson, the dentist, to thank for it. Dick Thompson was always at the forefront. If anybody needed a technical driver, if they needed really the best there was, they'd put Dick in the car. And, and when Chevrolet, what a compliment to hear Chevrolet have their new wonderful little Corvette out and to have him be the first driver in that car to really uh, do something worthwhile. And that, to me, is what always Dick Thompson stood for. Technical driver because of dentistry. He started uh, uh, just like John Fitch did with, with uh, a car that, uh, frankly, wasn't really uh, race fretting. And uh, through persevering, um, uh, organizing a team, uh, working with the mechanics, and his own outstanding driving ability, 
uh, he, he built, actually built the Corvette uh, reputation. Uh, before uh, Corvette came along, uh, the bigger cars in road racing were Jaguars and uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, 300 SLs. He's the reason they put him in the Hall of Fame for Corvettes. He started uh, uh, just like John Fitch did with, with uh, a car that, uh, frankly, wasn't really uh, race-freddy. And uh, per through per persevering, um, uh, organizing a team, uh, working with the mechanics, and his own outstanding driving ability, uh, he, he built, actually built the Corvette uh, reputation. Uh, before uh, Corvette came along, uh, the bigger cars in road racing were Jaguars and uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, 300 SLs. He changed the world and made me certainly fall in love with a Corvette, and particularly the Corvette Stingray. Uh, after they came along, uh, all of a sudden you had the last race in the day was the Corvette race. And it's the thing that separates American from European racing. You don't get the, the big displacement V8s, and they're wonderful. They're full of enthusiasm, they're fast as heck, and uh, they're just a, a wonderful addition to the racing scene. Through his partnership, Dick was able to win his fourth national championship in only his fifth racing season. In 1960, Thompson campaigned, with his own money, the Stingray Racer. He's responsible, a dentist. Because of what a dentist can do, form, function, your teeth not only look good, they gotta work. That race car can't just look good, it's gotta have an engine and a driver and tinker with it maximum horsepower make those turns and not spin out and in the world of surfing only a dentist could build his own board out of redwood and then build that waterproof housing to take pictures of it dr doc ball it's awesome and at 8 15 we're going to talk to a dentist calling in from long island dr alan moore my buddy, my brother from another mother from Far Rockaway High School, sat next to him in biology 50 years ago. How's he doing? We're about to find out. This is going to be one of the coolest guests I've ever had. Coming up next, we'll do some more clap revision. We'll talk more about what I found this week. One of the surgeries I did was a woman who had both her hips replaced, then had her spine fused. And now one of her hips began to dislocate 10 years later. Why is that? I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. With tinted windows. Can you imagine? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. While I'm in Italy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. It's the weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend. Greatest weekend of the whole year if you're a football fan. Although having those NFC and AFC championships, one might argue those are actually better games than the Super Bowl. But boy, are we in for a humdinger tomorrow. I don't really care who wins because I love Joe Burrow and I love Matthew Stafford. I'm rooting for both of them if that's possible. It's going to be great. 
All right, the number's 877-710-ESPN. The lines are lit up. Let's take our first caller. We'll go to Shane. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper, long time, first time. Uh, <laughs> I love it. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. How young are you, Shane? What do you do for a living? Uh, 44, automotive photographer. Get and out of here. Um, Wow. So yeah, you, a lot of fun. So, Do, do you know who Dick Thompson really was? My work. I'm, I'm learning about him right now. Yeah, he was a dentist in Washington, D.C. and loved driving cars fast. And he was noticed at Sebring by the Duntov and the guys from General Motors who now were launching an American sports car and watched this guy drive his MG from his dental office to the race at Sebring and drive it home. And they said, who is that guy? And they realized (laughs) he could do wonders for us. And they put him behind the wheel. They didn't even give him the car for free. They made him pay it for it with a discount, gave him no tools. Gave him no mechanics, and he he did it all. He organized. He got a lot of dental friends, made a pit crew, and he started beating the hell out of the German cars, the the British car, sports cars, and he modified the engine so and the driving experience and made the Corvette what it ultimately became. It's just such a great story, so I'm glad I'm teaching you about it. So what did you do to yourself? How can I help you? So about uh, 15 years ago, I had my first MRI done, and this is actually the, the reason why I started to follow the Weekend Warrior uh, <laughs> when you're with Coach. <laughs> um, the MRI Clapper Vision. In my, uh, <laughs> Clapper Vision. So anytime I see Oreo cookies, it's not the same anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so in my L3, L4, L4, L5, my MRI just came back, and it just basically said facet diseases. Mm-hmm which is new to me. Okay. Um, I've had debilitating back issues uh, just as recent as the beginning of December. I was on the couch for two weeks. I just couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know I haven't been in the pool in a couple of years. And so I, I know there, there's some things that I need to do to get back, but that's, that's the reason I was calling in. So and, the debilitating um, back pain is in the back. Does the pain radiate into your buttock, your thigh, your calf, into your toes, or does it stay in your back? It stays right in the center of my lower back. Good. Okay. That's actually a good thing. That's a good thing, Shane. And now now buckle your seatbelt. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of clapper visions, okay? Yes. Uh, Let's talk about the anatomy of the spine, particularly we're not going to talk about your neck. We're not going to talk about the thoracic spine, where the ribs come from. But we're going to talk about the lumbar spine. Those are the bones between the rib cage and your pelvis. There's five of them. They literally look like a bony-shaped marshmallow, okay? That's the vertebral body. So let's do a clap revision, a map of the United States of America. We got Oregon, Washington, California, the West Coast Pacific Ocean, and then we have Maine, New York, Carolinas, Florida, the East Coast. And then we have what they call the flyover states, where the Cincinnati Bengals actually come from, right there (laughs) in the middle. So you essentially can look of a map of the United States um, as your spine in the sense that there's the Pacific, there's the middle of the country, and then there's the Atlantic Ocean. I want you to look at it three different parts 
of the United States of America, West Coast, Middle, East Coast. The West Coast is actually where the stack of Oreo cookies, that's where the bone and the discs are, one stacked on the other. The bone is the cookie, the cream filling is the disc. That's your spine from Washington to Mexico, okay? That's what we're going to see, a stack of Oreo cookies there if we're looking at your spine from the side. The middle of the country, where Ohio is, is actually a hole in the bone. And God gave us a hole in the bone called the spinal canal because that's where the spinal cord and all the goodies, the nerves, run like a bird in a cage, protected by the bone. But there's a hole in the middle of the country where the spinal cord gets to be. Because when I'm talking about an Oreo cookie and a stack of them, all that can do is be a shock absorber, basically. You can push or pull apart. There's no bending over to pick up a pencil. You're not really getting the effect of the spine well by having a stack of Oreo cookies. You need to be able to twist. You need to be able to hit with a tennis racket. You need to be able to move on a basketball court. You need rotation. You need lateral bending. You need flexion extension. Where's that going to come from? It comes from the East Coast. The lineup of bones from Maine to Florida are not a stack of Oreo cookies. They, this part of the lumbar spine, they literally look, my dad was a carpenter, as you know, you've listened to the show, and early in my life, I used to carry 80-pound sacks of shingles up the ladder to the roof. Now they have a conveyor belt, but in the 1960s and 70s when I was helping my dad make a living, I was schlepping on my right shoulder up a ladder an 80-pound sack pack of shingles to, for a new roof, to shingle a roof. And how do you shingle a roof? You lay one shingle under the other slightly, so only half of it sticks out. And you keep doing this, and that's how you shingle a roof. You overlap the roof. Well, guess what? The bones from Maine to Florida look like shingles laid under the other, laid under the other. And this allows you to rotate and lateral bend and flex and extend your spine because the shingles can move under each other. It's not like a roof where they're stuck. They get to glide underneath each other. Those bones are called the transverse processes, and the facet joints. Well, guess what? There's movement there. It's a joint. And as we get older, you're not that old. You're only in your 40s. But you get arthritis. You don't have the smooth, lubricating glide anymore. So when you go to lift something, flexion extend, you go to turn to get something, rotation, or you do a sideways move, lateral bending, If that glide is not smooth and it's bumpy because you've lost the fluid and the smooth cartilage between those bones, you get arthritis in the facet joints, guess what lives right near there? Very rich nerve endings. Then they get burnt up, if you will, enough to put you on the couch for a week or two. So can you do surgery for it? Yes. You'd have to literally remove them. And many times when the pain is that debilitating and it really is pressing on the nerve, they will do what's known as a laminectomy. Ectomy in Latin means remove. The lamina 
is these bones that I'm talking the facet, the trans, they're the lamina of the bones itself. It's, it's Maine to Florida, and you can decompress them. I am not a big fan of spine surgery, but I also want you to be comfortable. So you need to do your best to avoid an epidural shot, which is cortisone, which I hate. You need to not let someone tell you, here's a pill that'll make the inflammation go away, because guess what? You stop taking the pill, the inflammation's going to come back. I want you, Shane, to not only get rid of the pain, but keep it from coming back again. But how am I going to make you younger? How am I going to make you 15-years-old, 20-year-old, Shane, where there's no arthritis where the lamina are, where the facet joints are? I can't do that. Nobody can. The hair's not going to grow back on my head, nor Coach Dave Miller's head. It's done. We're older. You're not going to get that smooth glide again. But what if, what if you and I could strengthen the shock absorbers around those gliding joints so that they can participate in securing the movement so there's less of a shock of a jerk of bone rubbing on bone that your muscles can help stabilize your spine. Not only will your pain go away, but it'll keep it from ever coming back again. So core strengthening exercises, the things that you can do with Pilates, which is fantastic, the things that you could do with yoga, which is fantastic, and the thing that you can do in the pool, the weightlessness, the resistance on the muscle, the fact that the water's touching your skin, giving you what's known as proprioception, feedback to your brain for position sense. But the most important thing is to make the paraspinal muscles, the muscles that are like cables around your back, so less stress goes through those arthritic joints of you, of yours, is to make those muscles stronger so the pain doesn't come back again. That's what you're going to need to do. Don't let them give you a pill. Don't let them talk you into an epidural. And surgery is really a last resort. And at 44, I'm not letting you have a laminectomy. No, thank you. <laughs> You're not going to do that. But I'm giving you a job to do, and, and you got to yeah. do it. You don't have a choice. You know, it's very nice. You can, uh, you can buy instantaneous feeling good. You can have a chiropractor, which I love, work on you, temporary feel good. You can have an acupuncturist deaden the pain. But it's going to come back. You've got to make the muscles stronger. And for that, three days a week, half an hour, walk forwards and backwards in a pool. Look into taking a Pilates class, a yoga class. Ain't going to be better in a week or two. But I promise, Shane, if you do this one month, two months, three months into it, you won't have pain and it ain't going to come back again. All right? I love it. All right, young man. You're a total stranger to me, even though you're not. What a long-time listener. If you're mentioning Dave Miller's name, that's for sure. You need to find a total stranger today. Go do something nice for them. That's all you'll be thanking me, all right? I appreciate it, Dr. Clapper. All right, young man. It's a pleasure, and thanks for being such a loyal weekend warrior. God bless you. Have a great day, and go Rams. Go Rams. All right, young man. God bless. All right, Warriors. Talk to, I took the whole segment to talk to him. Look at that, Will. Amazing. I'll take more calls if you want. The clinic will be open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. There's so much I want to talk about, but why would a woman who had both her hips replaced, did well for 10 years, and then she has a spine fusion, now starts to dislocate her hip? Why would that happen? I'm going to tell you why. Amongst some other interesting cases that I did this week and patients that I saw, who 
came to me with a torn meniscus, and I told him, don't have surgery. Are you kidding me? That's what we do for a living. We take your meniscus out. Here's I'm going to be telling you. Don't let them. Why is that? I'll explain. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. It's the weekend. That song sounds like Michael Jackson singing it, but it's not. It's him. It's the weekend. Just a beautiful gift he's been given. Just a gorgeous voice. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But I want to talk to you a little bit about surgery this week. On Wednesday, I did a case called a revision. I had to redo someone's surgery. Lovely woman. Both her hips were replaced many years ago, 10 years ago. And then she had a problem with her back, and they fused her back from her rib cage basically to her pelvis. And now, after 10 years of having two nice hip surgeries, the hip starts to dislocate, enough that she had to go to the ER to have them put it back in again. And this is a fascinating problem that we're just now learning about, which is the connection between movement that comes from your spine through those discs I just talked about and how it relates to your hip. Your hip and your lower back have a communication that need each other. The very word fusion is because you get arthritis, you get back pain, you get sciatica, the nerve pain down your leg. Classic. You can either replace the disc in young people and it's still it's not uh state of the art but it's getting there and it's definitely an option if all you have is one disc that's not working great i don't mean it's not state of the art it's certainly being done plenty by many very skillful surgeons and it's a real blessing to be able to not fuse the joint but sometimes you actually have to fuse the joint for all kinds of reasons which i can do a whole show about actually one day When you go from standing to sitting down, your hip flexes, right? You're standing up, and now you go to sit down, your hip flexes. That's how you get into your chair. What we never really appreciated before was that the ball and socket joint moves to accommodate you sitting, but the socket moves to help the ball almost as much as the ball rotates to fit in the socket. We never really, as silly as this sounds, as orthopedic surgeons appreciated that. When you go to sit down, your pelvis rotates 
to cover the ball to keep it from dislocating. It rotates. The socket rotates over the ball. And that movement requires the pelvis to rotate from the lower spine, the lumbar spine. Even if the discs are degenerative, you're getting older, you get arthritis and your spinal stenosis, even if the disc is herniated, there's still movement coming out of your spine. But if you now have a fusion, particularly a big fusion, where all the discs in your lower back no longer move because your pain was so incapacitating, that was the treatment. Well, guess what? Go and sit down now. You better have the ball move extra in the socket because it ain't getting any help from the socket moving to it. And because that's now happening, that hip replacement worked really well. Now it doesn't because you can't recruit the socket to rotate with the ball. So that's what I had to do this week. Take her to surgery and solve the problem. I can't unfuse her spine. That's not going to happen. What could I possibly do to allow her to keep as much of the parts that were put in and allow her to have a hip that won't dislocate anymore? It's fascinating. Great engineering. I may be the surgeon, but boy, there's a lot of people behind the scenes. And I don't mean the nurse and the tech and the anesthesiologist and the x-ray tech, you know, all the people that are involved in the operating room with me at Cedars who I can't do it alone. God bless them and thank them for all they've done for me 33 years there. But the people that are really behind the scenes that never really get talked about are the dentists. <laughs> That's what today's topic is. They're the tinkerers. They're the engineers, the mechanical engineers, the biomechanical engineers, the biomedical engineers that are behind the scenes making the parts that I use. And I enjoy their work, and they don't get any credit for it. So I was able to make a hip implant locked together internally with a ring and I was also able to lengthen this woman's leg slightly, which really helps in changing the overall alignment of her muscles because her leg was slightly shorter before, which is probably a contributor to the dislocation. So taking her and lengthening it and then locking it up because she tore so many of the muscles in these multiple dislocations, she's going to be fixed. Is able to go home the next day awesome and it's really the topic today of form and function my guest at 815 Alan Moore is going to talk to us about yeah he's going to make those teeth look good but they also still have to work and it is a challenge probably the greatest architect America ever produced was Frank Lloyd Wright you should Google Falling Water, my favorite house ever built. Google the Guggenheim Museum, my favorite building ever made. It's not a coincidence. This architect designed both of them. But the problem with Frank Lloyd Wright is that as the greatest American architect ever, probably the forefather of 
rebar and reinforced concrete and really being able to make concrete slabs that could jut out because of the rebar he put in. But a lot of the the form, the beauty was there. But many of these had to be re-engineered and reworked on because of the failure in the functionality. That can't happen if Alan Moore is rebuilding your teeth. That can't happen if Dr. Clapper is working on your knee or your hip or your shoulder. You can't just make it look pretty, which I really try and do as an artist. You also have to have that function. So at 8.15, we're going to talk about form and function with an expert, a dentist. That's what their teaching is all about. High-speed drills in tiny little spaces. And it's not like me where I have an anesthesiologist who knocks you out. You don't even know what I'm doing. That dentist has got a, he's a, he's inflicting pain while, he, while he's fixing you. It reminds me of this song that you uh, heard during uh, Little Shop of Horrors. This is Steve Martin singing about it. You'll be a dentist. <laughs> you have a talent for causing things. You'll be a success. You've got to work while the person's looking at you, talking at you. It's a challenge, but it's got to be incredibly gratifying, and I know it is for Alan Moore. I'll be able to tell some stories about the Corvette and Dr. Doc Ball, and i got to tell you where my favorite New York City bagel, and my favorite bagel is a salt bagel. Where is it? I'll give you a hint. Go on Twitter. You'll be able to see the place. I took a picture, but I'll tell you a little bit later on. Dipping that cream cheese into that warm salt bagel, you won't be able to leave your car. I'll explain. Coming up next, we'll tell some stories. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.